Welcome to another conversation with Smitty. Good morning, everybody. This is Smitty. That means it's Monday, and we've got a great show today. I'm really excited. Even though it's a rainy day in the Berkshires, uh, which is always a challenge, but it's going to help things start growing and turning green and then we're going to be complaining about mowing the lawn every week, so it just never ends in the Berkshires. But we had a great show here today, and we have a another one of our candidate conversations. Uh, Chris Dempsey, who I've known for several years, is a candidate for state auditor. Um, he's spending the day in the Berkshires, and welcome aboard, Chris. Representative, it's great to be with you. Oh, Smitty, please. We've known each other long enough there. <laughs> we, we can put the titles aside. But uh, Chris is running for state auditor, and, and uh, tell the folks that are listening you know, a little something about yourself and why you're running for state auditor. Yeah. Well, I'm the son of public school teachers. My parents met while teaching in the Martin Luther King School in Boston in 1970. And through their career, I saw them digging into their own pockets to pay for school supplies. And we know public school teachers across the Commonwealth do that to this day. And when you see that firsthand, you start to ask some basic questions about why we're spending our public resources in some areas and not in others. And those conversations, that thinking led me to a career in and around public service. I served as Assistant Secretary of Transportation for Governor Deval Patrick. While I was there, I co-founded the MassDOT program that created all the smartphone apps that tell bus riders, like BRTA bus riders, when their bus will arrive in real time. So I've worked inside of state government, and I've seen how we can make things better. I've also worked outside of state government to stand up to protect the public interest, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. That's how you and I first met, Representative. But... Fundamentally, this job of state auditor is about making sure we spend our dollars well and wisely and that we're getting the best impact and outcomes that we can for taxpayers and residents across Massachusetts. That's the work I like doing. It's the work I think I'm good at, and it's why I'm running for this role. So, so with so many moving parts politically this year, I mean, the, the open seat for the governor, open attorney general, open state auditor, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Why the auditor? You've got such an impressive background and quite a, quite a resume, but why state auditor? Yeah. Because I'll just to be honest with you, you know, my family's been involved in politics a long time, and we knew Joe DiNucci, but I really never knew, I'm embarrassed to say this, what the state auditor did until Suzanne Bump became the state auditor, who actually had roots in the Berkshires. But sure. why the state auditor, and why is this job so important to the people who are listening? This is not the most glamorous job <laughs> in Massachusetts politics or Massachusetts government. It's not. But it's a job where you get to roll up your sleeves, and you get to protect the public interest, and you get to make state government work better. I've done that work in my career. I want to do more of that work for the people of Massachusetts. I think I'm good at it. Let's talk about standing up to protect taxpayers. You and I first met, Smitty, when I was leading the grassroots effort, No Boston Olympics. What we saw with that proposal in 2015 is that some powerful corporate and business interests got together behind closed doors in Boston, and they hatched that plan. And as often happens when plans are developed behind closed doors and without that public accountability, it didn't work out well or wasn't going to work out well for Massachusetts taxpayers. In fact, that proposal, the Boston 2024 Olympics, required that all of us as state taxpayers cover 100% of Olympic cost overruns. Whenever I'm in Western Massachusetts, I say, if you liked the big dig, you would love the Boston 2024 Olympics. And nobody it, liked the big dig. <laughs> because it was going to be billions, especially out here, right? Because it was going to be billions and billions of our state taxpayer dollars spent on a three-week sporting event in Boston without benefit to regions like the Berkshires. And so I stood up against that proposal. We created a group in a living room called No Boston Olympics, and we got outspent, Smitty, 1,500 to 1. Mm. They spent $15 million. We spent less than $10,000 on our side. 
But we had the facts and we built that grassroots effort called No Boston Olympics. And that included many folks in the Berkshires and across Western Massachusetts. By the end of that campaign, we had more individual citizen contributors to our campaign than Boston 2024 had to its campaign. Our average contribution size was 100 bucks. Boston 2024's average contribution size, average, was $100,000. Hmm. But my takeaway from that successful grassroots effort is that when you put good data and information in front of the people of Massachusetts, we make smart decisions. And that fundamentally is the job of the state auditor, to dig into the executive branch, to figure out where our taxpayer dollars are going, and then to put that information, that data, back in front of all of us, including the legislature, you and your colleagues, so that we can make smarter decisions and we can get things right as a commonwealth, building a stronger commonwealth together. I think we can do that. I know we can do that in the auditor's office, and I want to be that leader that helps us do that statewide. To touch on the Olympics again, I mean, that was a for you, uh, that's when I first met you, and I really ad- admired your, your willingness to stand up. That was almost like a, I'll call it a profiles and courage moment. That was a con- controversial issue to take on, but you took it on, and you were there right from the inception. But aside from the money, that was a big thing. That was a fear that I had, that how yeah. can we afford to pay for this? But was Boston the right place for it? I mean, you were named Bostonian of the year because of that position you've taken. So there really was a profiles and courage moment. But aside from the money, why was that such a, who was engineering that whole idea and why? Yeah. Well, the leaders behind the Boston 2024 bid included some of the most powerful corporate interests in Massachusetts, especially led, frankly, by the construction industry, because they Mm -hmm. saw that it was going to be an opportunity to spend billions of dollars on all these sporting venues that, frankly, Massachusetts didn't need after the Olympics. We were going to use them for three weeks. The proposal literally proposed to spend $300 million on an Olympic stadium, use it for three weeks, and then tear it down after the Olympics. So the immense cost and waste associated with that never sat right with me and I think others in Massachusetts. I think almost more fundamentally, though, is we saw that the Olympics were going to be an enormous distraction from the important work that we have to do in state government. Every time you're worried about the cost overruns on the stadium, you're not going to be focused on public education, on public health, on transportation, some of these more fundamental, maybe less glamorous and less sexy, but more important public policy issues that we want our public officials and elected leaders focused on. So look, Massachusetts is a great sports state. We're home to the Boston Marathon. I love when we host the NBA Finals or the World Series. We have um, event after event after event that makes our Commonwealth special. We did not need the Olympics to be special. What makes us fundamentally such a great state is that we're all about people. We've got the best educated workforce in the country. We've got hardworking, talented people. That should be our focus, and we don't want to be distracted by the Boston 2024 Olympics. For folks who are listening, uh, we're here with Chris Dempsey. He's a, a longtime friend of mine and a candidate for state auditor. And, and my constituents have always heard, long heard me say about it's more about the next generation than yeah. the next election. And I think you just uh, indicated that very feeling. We'd still be paying for these Olympics. Absolutely. Um, uh, it would just get, be getting started. The Olympics would be right. in 2024, and then we'd have two or three decades of debt to pay off for that three-week party. It is quite, as fun as the party might be, it is quite a hangover. Yeah. The, um, w- w- as, you, as you enter the, the auditor's race, I mean, Suzanne Bump's done a great job, and, and she did this uh, rural report. I mean, here we are in far western Mass and the small towns, and they struggle with Chapter 90 and, um, you know, some of the, how do, how do you keep running a small town and make it efficient versus the big cities? But yeah. what are some of the big priorities that you come into office with as a state auditor that 
are going to impact those of us who are listening in the rural parts yeah. of Massachusetts. Well, first, let's just acknowledge the work of Auditor Bump. As you said earlier in this conversation, she has roots in Great Barrington, where we are right now, um, lived out here for many years. It was her official residence. She, I think, has been uniquely able to provide the Western Mass perspective as a statewide elected leader. And while I'm not a resident of the Berkshires, we've been out here a number of times on the campaign. We will be back. In fact, we've already got another event on the schedule, uh, July 19th in Sheffield. We're going to do a campaign event and hope that anyone that's listening would, wants to come by and hear my pitch for why I should be the next state auditor in person um, in Sheffield at that event. But Auditor Bump put out last year what she calls the Rural Rescue Plan. And I have committed to you already, Representative Smitty, you know this, um, as well as your colleagues, that I'm, I am pledging to continue that work in the auditor's office. What she did is she used the platform that comes with that statewide position to say, we need to focus on rural communities. They're not getting enough attention in the statewide conversation. And she identified a number of areas where rural communities kind of get the short end of the stick in, in policy, whether that's on road funding, Chapter 90, whether it's the pilot program that the state pays to communities that have state-owned land within their borders, or whether it's issues like broadband access that's holding back the rural economy from participating more broadly in the in the international and world economy as it should because of lack of investment. I am committed to continuing that investigative work, that policy research, and being an advocate on Beacon Hill for those issues as your next state auditor. And I applaud Auditor Bump for bringing that to people's attention. And I want to make an important point here. When she put that report out, it didn't just get coverage in the Berkshire Eagle or the Springfield Republican or the Daily Hampshire Gazette. It got coverage in the Boston Globe, in WGBH, and WBUR, some of the major media outlets in eastern Massachusetts that are much more Metro Boston focused. The fact that it got coverage in those places shows the power of this statewide position to raise rural issues and western Massachusetts issues in the halls of power on Beacon Hill and across the Commonwealth. And that's why it's so important that we have someone in this role that understands those issues and is committed to continuing to work on them as Auditor Bump did. It, very well said. And I, I think uh, that, that report gave us some ammunition in our you know, regional equity argument, you know, whether it be big or small. And I think that's so very important. You know, it, it, we're flush with cash in Massachusetts because of this federal uh, stimulus. But we're seeing inflation kick in, gas prices are up, interest rates are going up. Um, how you're a con- you would be a constitutional officer. So how are we going to work on the minute with the whatever the administration is to to move and what are the biggest priorities going forward that you can play a valuable role in? Well, let me say on the course of this campaign, the context of this campaign, I'm not only the only candidate in this race that has experience working in the executive branch of state government. I'm I'm the only candidate that has that and that is the focus of this job. But I'm also the only candidate in this race with a degree and a background relevant to accounting and finance. I hold an MBA. I'm the only candidate that has that. And I do think that that perspective is important, frankly, not just in the auditor's office, but also more broadly on Beacon Hill. We need more people that have business experience and have an MBA because the, the key issues that you and your colleagues are grappling with on Beacon Hill now are those economic issues, the issues you just mentioned of, of inflation, the need to keep the economy going, but also make sure that it's not becoming unaffordable because of those inflationary pre- pressures. So the auditor can play a role in helping identify where state policy is maybe contributing to those problems or where updated or reform policies can help us address those issues that people are facing. And that's everything from um, home prices to gas prices to looking at unemployment in different parts of the state. We know that unemployment 
has different levels depending on where you are in the state. All of that is under the purview of the auditor's office and we can look into it. While the auditor's office doesn't have a lot of direct ability to influence policy, it has a lot of indirect ability as one of just six statewide elected officials that represents everyone in the state and is is committed to, mandated to make sure that we're representing all of our constituents across the state. And, and, and I think having the right person in those positions to, when you have a platform, you have a platform to talk about things. I'd just be curious, yeah. out here in the Berkshires, and I was reading something in the Globe this morning about uh, real estate on the Cape Cod. Yeah. I mean, it's just getting impossible to live in the Berkshires or Cape Cod. Yep. Um, and I actually got a meeting with a DHCD uh, with some Great Barrington folks next week about... Um, you know, sometimes these programs are designed in state government to be the one-size-fit-all. Yep. And we, we want to have a little bit of leeway or flexibility to let us decide what we need in the Berkshires. Let the Pioneer Valley decide what they need. Just don't have this program that says everybody's got to do the same thing. So when we talk about workforce development and, uh, you know, we, we don't need three- and four-bedroom apartments that are being subsidized right. by the state and federal government. So yep. let us say we want workforce housing for just two bedrooms. Sure. Why can't we do those kind of things? And do you think the auditor can help us with this housing affordability aspect? Yeah. COVID has exposed a lot of things, as you know. Housing insecurity, food insecurity. What role can the auditor play to help yeah. alleviate some of those problems? Housing is one of my top issues. And it's especially important to have statewide elected officials who are focused on housing because we cannot solve our housing problems community by community. It just does not work that way. We have regional housing markets and so we need more people who think regionally and think statewide about housing. I am very proud of the fact that in my own community, which has its own affordability issues very close to Boston, that I have supported every single 40B development that has been proposed in my community, often over the objections of some of my, my good friends and colleagues in local state government where I am. But it is so important that we are building and creating more housing, capital A, affordable housing, like 40Bs, um, like programs uh, or housing that's created through programs at DHCD that guarantee affordability and below market rates and uh, rents for purchasing and for rental, but also that we're creating more market rate housing too. We need both of those. Um, and, and that's true in the Berkshires. It's true in the Cape. It's true in the still hot greater Boston uh, real estate market. We have to have more leaders who are unafraid of saying that we need to be creating more of that housing, that we cannot survive as a regional economy or a statewide economy. We cannot continue to be competitive and we can't continue to be a place, we won't continue to be a place where the next generation can live here if we don't create that housing for the next generation. Um, I know this as someone that was in the housing market last year. My fiance and I bought our first place last year and that was a tough market to be a part of. Um, we are in the first floor of a triple decker, uh, about two and a half blocks from where I grew up and where my public school teacher parents still live. Anna and I are looking forward to starting a family together and housing is going to continue to be a concern for us as that family gets started and grows. Uh, we're in a, you know, we're in a two bedroom, one bathroom, triple decker. So, um, it's an issue for my family and it's an issue for so many families across the Commonwealth. I'm fortunate to be able to live close to where I grew up. That's not true of all the people that I grew up with. The only way we're going to fix that problem is if we tackle it head on and we have more leaders who understand how fundamental it is to our economy and to our quality of life across Massachusetts. And, and, and I think we also have to have a bigger conversation about home ownership. Um, you know, rentals are one yep. thing, but the only way I believe to break that generational cycle of poverty uh, is to give build equity. Have something right. to own, something tangible. And I say if you can afford a $2,000 a month apartment, you could afford a $400,000 house. 
That's right. For the same price. So I think we need to have that bigger conversations about that. And I really believe the state should do a better job with the incentives with helping people with down payments. Mm-hmm. I was right. very fortunate to have parents to help me with my down payment when my first house it only cost $35,000 my first house. <laughs> but um, young people don't have those down payments any longer. And even though yep. we can get 100% financing from some banks, that down payment is critically important to, to break that cycle. So I look forward to work with you on that as well. Totally agree. Um, we're here with Chris Dempsey, um, a candidate for state auditor. Chris, if there's people who are listening right now who want to learn more about you or get involved in the campaign, where do they go? Yep. How do they find out? So the best place to go is DempseyForAuditor.com. That's our website. You can learn more about me. You can learn more about our proposals that we've put out to reform state government and make it work better for everybody. We also have our events page on that website, and that's where they can learn more about our upcoming event in Sheffield in July. We would love people to come by and stop by and say hello at that event to learn more about me and about the campaign. What time is that going to be? I believe it's 2 o'clock. In in fact, let me pull it up um, (laughs) while we're talking. So yeah, so 2 p.m. on July 16th. uh, I believe that's a Saturday afternoon in Sheffield. It's being hosted by some friends of mine who live in Sheffield, and we would love to have people show up and RSVP. Um, contributions are not required to attend that event. We want people to feel comfortable showing up and just getting a chance to know me, get, get to know why I'm running and why the auditor's office is so important in people's daily lives. I very much appreciate that the auditor's office is not necessarily front of mind for everyone that is thinking about state government or public policy, but it is an opportunity through this office to impact every single part of what the state does, mm-hmm. from housing to the environment to transportation. Smitty, you've been a leader on issues like West East Rail, and I'm committed to helping you as state auditor in advancing that conversation. We need more regional transportation equity. Um, And so on July 16th, people can come by and meet me in person, and I'd be honored to have them do that. And I think think the thing I love about about you is is that you need money to run for office, especially statewide, but you're more about people than dollars. And I think that's the difference between some politicians or people running for office. So let's get the people rally. That's that's the, you can't, you can't put a price on that. That's right. You know, one, one question I've been asking uh, all, all the candidates that have come on. And uh, so if you could give yourself one piece of advice to your younger self, <laughs> what would it be? I've been asking a question every week and I'm still not how sure how I'd answer it myself, but um if you give, your, give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? So um, <laughs> I got engaged last summer to, to my longtime girlfriend, Anna, and we're getting married this year, two weeks after the Democratic convention. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a decision that took me too long to get to, Smitty, and uh, I should have I made it a lot earlier because it's the best decision that I've made. And... Um, the minute that I asked her to marry me, it was just so clear that it was the right thing to do. Mm. Um, she's going to be a amazing life partner and she's been so supportive of me. And so I would go back and say, you know, Chris, you should just make this decision a lot sooner. (laughs) Don't drag it out. It's so funny that I'm, I'm saying that now and verbalizing that for the first time, because I certainly had plenty of people in my life that were telling me that that was the right thing to do. And it just took me a little bit bit, uh, longer to get there. Um, but we're incredibly excited to be 
um, starting life together and a family together, and uh, only wish I had done it sooner. Well, I have friends who are listening to this in Boston. They stream it uh, every every Monday morning on this show, so I'm sure that word will get back to your fiancé very quickly. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. It'll put a smile on her face, and, and I told you so, but um, we're I'm incredibly lucky to have her, and She's been very supportive of yeah. me in this campaign. In, in, in our last couple of minutes, um, you know, you, you've been crisscrossing the state. I, we, I follow you on social media, and you're in everywhere. You've been out here a couple of times in the Berkshires, yeah. and I think that's always a good measuring stick for those of us who live out here. Did he or she actually show up? Yep. And, and you've, you've been showing up for, for quite some time. Any common themes or concerns that people have, whether it be the Berkshires or Cape Cod or anywhere in between, that say, hey, Chris, this is what we need out of the state order, or this is what we need out of state government? Yeah. I think as we come out of COVID, and we're still struggling with that, of course, but as we start to see some light at the end of the tunnel on COVID, um, I think people are looking for some stability. They're looking for leadership in state government. And I know, Smedia, this has been a hallmark of your career. That is not overly partisan. That is not focused on um, you know just fighting battles or picking battles. It doesn't resort to name calling or mudslinging. I think it would be unfortunate if Massachusetts state government started to look more like what we see in Washington, D.C., where it's just people backing into the corner, taking the partisan position, um, and calling each other names. For the most part in Massachusetts state government, we have a set of people that are willing to roll up their sleeves, willing to find common ground, and that just want to do what's right for the people of Massachusetts. I'm proud to say that that has been a hallmark of my career as well on issues like the Olympics. It was not a particularly partisan issue. We worked with folks across the aisle on that. We found lots of common ground and, and, and shared, um, shared goals and shared vision for what the, the Commonwealth can be. Um, that's how I'm running this campaign, informed by those conversations. Everywhere we go in the state, people just want good government. They want people that are going to make the government work well for them, make state government work well for them. Because as we come out of COVID, which has been so hard for people, we realized that was not a partisan issue. It didn't, didn't need to be, and it wasn't for the most part here in Massachusetts. So um, I would say that's a theme, and it's it's the campaign that we're running, and it's the kind of auditor that I want to be. I think it's very well said. I mean, we, I always say we are a commonwealth, yeah. you know, uh, whether it be the Berkshires or Boston or Cape Cod. And I think, you know, the House just wrapped up their budget recently, and I think it's indicative that we have some good debate, some some tough amendments and tough issues, yep. but at the end of the day, it was a unanimous bipartisan endorsement of the House budget. I, I don't think in my 20 years I've actually – there's always been one or two that will vote off on it for some strange reason. It was unanimous. Yeah. So despite, you know, we're going toe-to-toe on the floor of the House, but at the end of the day, I fought the fight, you won, I'm going to endorse you, that type of thing. So yep. I think we need to do more of that, and I think we should be a uh, – uh, an example of what I wish Washington was like um, instead of this infighting that we're going on. We have a lot of problems in this country. Uh, we, if we can't be working together, we're going to be in trouble. I think yeah. the state auditor is a very important job. There's only six constitutional officers, and we have the oldest constitution in the world yep. consecutively run. Yep. That's always a key word on the tribute uh-huh. because folks in Virginia think their constitution was longer, which technically it is, but during the Civil War, they split up Massachusetts state intact. So yep. the longest consecutively run Democratic constitution in the world, we elect six people. 
to be constitutional officers. And Chris, I, I wish you all the best uh, in your efforts in your statewide. I know you're going to spend a day out here in the Berkshires and in Western Mass, and we look forward to coming having you come back in the, in the future. Thanks so much, Smitty. Really appreciate the conversation today and having the chance to talk to all your listeners today. So thank you. I look forward to engaging with you and others more on this race. Chris Auditor, candidate for state. Uh, Chris Dempsey, candidate for state auditor. I wish you all the best, and uh, we'll have to get you back on again soon. Thanks, Smitty. Well, that's a wrap for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Talk with Smitty. We'll be back next week. Until then, be well, be safe, have fun, be happy, and let's all be Berkshire.